everyone, and welcome back to the Great Escape Minute. Today we will be discussing episode 34, minute 34 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast, where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob. I'm Tom. And joining us once again this week is Jim Keen, esteemed World War II historical fiction novelist. Thank you for having me. I appreciate, appreciate you having me. It's been such a fun week. We figured we'll give you a few more days to, to continue discussing this. It's, it's, it's been great. So episode 34, or minute 34, starts with Roger responding tonight, which is his answer question from uh, yesterday's uh, episode when he was asked, uh, when is the next meeting going to be? And it goes until Roger is in the middle of a conversation and says, Cooler and the Wire. This this is a great minute because it gives us so much information about, about who all of these characters are and how this whole uh, plan is going to be coming into into play. As I said, you know, we just have a few seconds with Roger respond from, from his conversation uh, with Ramsey. It's just tonight, and then it shows the night a, a night view of the camp. You see uh, two two guards here on the perimeter. You see uh, a few guards in in the in one of the the guard towers, and uh, you interestingly see uh, a, a few uh, prisoners walking around. I mean, the irony is that, that this takes place I guess in the spring, so night uh, nightfall comes uh, I guess around seven eight o'clock something like that. So I guess they you know they started. I, I was always under the impression that that uh, you know in these type of camps when when night would come that's when you need to lock up in in your barracks because they don't want people just wandering around in the middle of the night because that that's when uh, you know people can accidentally get shot when uh, you think they might be trying to escape or something like that so it's interesting showing that that these prisoners uh, still have some freedom beyond uh, daylight well yeah and I that, go ahead Judy. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, that's, that's actually a very good point because even later in the movie, there, they, I think there's more than one scene where they actually button them up, where they, they put them in, they, you know, send them to bed and close the, the windows. Um, and I actually have never, I never really caught that before, but that's a very good, good point. I think, yeah. Yeah. I think the importance of that, nighttime shot it is it really this is i mean the first time we've in the movie that we want need to show time has passed because up till now i mean what takes place within the first 33 minutes of the movie we're led to believe took place in the first 33 minutes they were at camp between the dialogue um i know around the minute 25 mark you know, they reference it's been a crazy 20 minutes, you know, and it's so I feel like we just need that establishing shot of it at night as, OK, guys, time has passed. Let's, you know, here's this secret meeting, even if, you know, like I said, we get later them getting buttoned up and put to bed. Right. And you also later on, we see that they, you know, they close up the they, they put blankets over the windows you know, and, and they have ways of, of, you know, making it seem as if everyone is, is staying in their barracks, even though they're not. So, and, and I love the, the music cue when they show the nighttime. You know, it's it's somewhat of an eerie cue. I mean, once again, Bernstein did such an amazing job with the score of this film. The, I, I, 
I'm still waiting. I mean, only at, the, at when we get to the end of of, uh, of doing the show, you know, uh, I think it's minute 160 something. We have we actually have a musician to come. We're going to be discussing, you know, the, the the musical cues and stuff like that. So I can't wait to hear her insight into the whole thing because I've heard that every one of the characters has a different musical cue. Uh, but I don't know enough about music to, to really, you know, my, my musical ears is, is not that that fine tuned that I'd be able to differentiate between them. I've yeah, heard that about the the cues before that each each character had their own score. I actually I actually have the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do too. I, I actually have it also. I bought it years ago. I remember I bought it on CD in the nineties. I'm pretty uh, sure my parents still have it on. My mom has it on vinyl at her house. Pretty sure. Now, in the script, they actually tell us what where this where this meeting is actually taking place. Do either of you have a guess? I, I take that as no a no. <laughs> Come on, give a guess. Look at look at what's going on in the room. What do you see in the room? Very good. There you go. It was uh, Professor. Professor Plum with the candlestick in the <laughs> library. <laughs> and I remember um, Blythe showed up late. Yeah, right. But he he doesn't. That we'll, we'll be discussing that next week. He doesn't show up this week. <laughs> I got you. He he actually got uh, demerits for for showing up late. <laughs> no, so so they they you know they they focus in first they show us the outside then they focus in on on the the library. Which you can actually tell us the library because when Roger's talking behind him, you can see at least four four shelves filled with books. I don't know what type of books they have there. You know, you, it makes you wonder. I mean, the, what the Red Cross is bringing them books, or you know, JD is something we, we've discussed numerous times that like it's amazing some of the things that these that 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 these prisoners are able to take with them from from camp to camp. We, 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 we've, we've spotted people, we've spotted uh, prisoners carrying, uh, musical instruments. You know, there's someone with a guitar, someone with a trombone. Uh, someone, you know, some of them just, just carry around a cup. You never know. They all, they all have the different things that they, and the fact that they're, that almost all of them were able to, to, to somehow keep their hats is also amazing since they're all Air Force, uh, prisoners. So, so the majority of them had to probably jump out of their planes. Right, you know, they, I, I thought they, the same thing. <laughs> Somehow, I guess they got these books. You know, I'd I, I be curious. I mean, unfortunately, you can't can't really uh, zoom in. You know, I'd love to see some of the titles of what those books are supposed to be. My <laughs> um, guess would be you know, there's a couple of Bibles, some you know German. I'd imagine a fair number of it is German propaganda. My my call. <laughs> Probably a copy or two of that. It's it's very possible. <laughs> but then they'd use that for firewood or to you know mm-hmm. stoke the the fire in the uh, in 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 the uh, heaters in in the rooms. But so basically, uh, you know, they 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 focus in on on the room. You have there are fifteen people that are in this room. You have I think three or possibly four that are standing by the windows and the door. That these are people in charge of security, security. intelligence. Security. Some of them are actually recognizable that, that you see them later in the, the film. There, there's one of them who, who distinctly has a mustache and uh, carries a pipe, holds a pipe. He always has a pipe next to him. We'll, we'll see him in a few weeks uh, because he's, he's one of the prominent ones making, you know, giving the signals. 
Well, he also, he's, also, he's also one of them reading the books, if you remember, because he's sitting on the step smoking his pipe. And then when he puts he puts his book down or he picks it up, that's a signal. Right. There you go. So he's he's reading Mein Kampf. <laughs> yeah. Like Kevin just probably can't read, considering he can't do distances either. No, he can read. He just doesn't know math. <laughs> <laughs> and how sure are you about that 15 number, Rob? Because I have a different number than you. What'd you get? Fourteen or fifteen or sixteen? Sixteen. I don't know. I'm gonna have to go back and recount. I I got fifteen, but he got uh, yeah, right eighteen. I... Now, did did you notice that one thing different between all the characters? One, there's one character whose shoes are completely different than everybody else's. Oh, Gris got the. You're talking about Gris white shoes. Actually, we're both wrong. There's seventeen people in the room. <laughs> at second 18 you can look at that <laughs> I'll have to go back and confirm that <laughs> uh, I do have a question about why one of those people is in that room why is Cavendish <laughs> well Cavendish was the first one Roger named so I suppose he I can be in the room why is Henley in the room this guy I mean, why? because two minutes ago you know Roger had never heard of Henley. So why in this first meeting, while we're laying out the groundwork for this escape, do you have this guy Big X has never heard of before? I feel like this is a, you get together with the known big shots, have your conversation and go, all right, I know this guy. Let me feel him out. He's a scrounger. Let me go talk to him once the big dogs have their conversation. No, but they, they mentioned earlier that, that, that he's the best there is. So obviously, why would why would uh, Ramsey say that? Apparently someone had been in a camp with him and, and knows that that's the truth. Yeah, that's his reputation. And, and I think that it's important that, you know, the previous scene where he listed everybody that was significant to the plan, it would make sense that everybody on that list would be there. To me, it does. Yeah. No, I I can see why he's there. It just always it just struck me as you just found out about him. Maybe not invite him to the first meeting. Well, the other thing, you know, as a storyteller, there's there's the way things probably would be versus the way you have to make them in order <laughs> to tell your story. So the director or the editors or the writers. They did that because he's a significant part of the story, so he has to be exposed. <laughs> the, power of, the power of plot convenience? Correct. Right, but uh, I mean, it's it's also something that, that you know, the, the, this is a movie, this is an ensemble movie, so, uh, you know, you have to put as many of the characters in, in as many shots as possible <laughs> also. You know, I mean, if if they, if they could, they would have found a way of getting um, McQueen to tunnel out uh, of the of the cooler so that he, his head pops up, uh, you know, among the floorboards here, so that that he has a little bit of screen time there also. Yeah, he wasn't in there, was he? Well, because he's he's in he's in the cooler right now. He's always in the cooler, actually. Yes. The other the other characters that are here, we have uh, Willie, Danny, Cavendish, Sedgwick, Griffith, Espio, Roger, McDonald. Ashley Pitt, uh, Henley, Haynes, Soren, and then there's like three more that you don't really know who they are. And I love the way that uh, Roger opens up his thing by saying, devote your energy to these, th- uh, no, 
he's talking that they want to keep the, the, the Germans thinking that they're not doing anything. We're going to bore them. So he basically says, Von Luger said that they, he was quoting Von Luger and said that that's what they're supposed to do. Right? Is that what you're going to say, Jim? No, I was thinking, no. wasn't there a litany of things like uh, sports, gardening, yeah, all, yeah, the, yeah. all the that's... cultural, all the cultural <laughs> endeavors or something like that, I yeah. believe he said. Cultural pursuits. Cultural, cultural pursuits. pursuits. I just, I just thought that was a very British thing to say. You know, it's like here we're locked up in a prison system, but we're going to focus in on the cultural pursuit. You know? <laughs> well, again, it's the whole idea of, of passing the time, <laughs> right? You know, well, they, 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 they have to give the prisoners something to do because they, they. What, what, what's interesting is, is that they don't, they didn't try to make this some sort of a work camp where they were, they were forcing them to do forced labor or something. Uh, during the course of the, you know, their internment to keep their minds off of digging. I mean, I know right. it possibly is against the Geneva Convention, but still, it's not like, uh, you know, it's not like people, uh, you know, the enemies in, in during wartime are always going to keep to the Geneva Convention. No. You, you know, getting back to something we said in a previous episode about um, the, the, the camp and how secure it was. One of the things I thought was interesting is that they gave them gardening tools. And then he said, he, and then Von Luger says, we expect you to use them for gardening. So in the back of his mind, in the back of his mind, Von Luger realizes they could use these gardening tools for, to escape, but they give them to him anyway. I, I feel like well, Von Luger uh, knows what's going to I feel like Paul Luger is one of those guys he's like I have to tell I have to walk the party line and tell you these things no this is a terrible idea I tried to tell that to my bosses they didn't listen so here I am right I mean this is also something that we discussed a few weeks ago the fact that when you have the Russian 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 soldiers uh, walking out of the I mean, they're they're all carrying they're carrying pitchforks and saws <laughs> and axes you know, it's like, hello. <laughs> Those are the things that you're going to equip prisoners with, for sure. Yes. And then basically Roger goes on and starts uh, telling a little bit of, of about his plan. You know, uh, he says, even if you do a, uh, take a superficial look at the compound, you can tell that, that, that huts 104 and 105 are the closest to the woods. And then he says something very interesting, where he goes, the first tunnel goes from 105 directly east under the Vorlager, the cooler and the wire. Now, I did a search. I tried to figure out what the hell a Vorlager is. Do you know what you have an idea what it is? Because it's a, it's 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 not what they say it is. It I have is, no I, idea. I thought, I thought maybe they were saying it's, it's it's the German way of, of saying it's the latrine or something like that. I mean, I, when, when I did a search for for the word, it comes up as, as uh, a Vorlager is a physical object. I don't know that I actually spelt it right because I kept getting French to English translations, but I have to imagine it's something like a guard shack. You know, it's a guard shack. It's the, maybe it's the administrative office, but that looks like it's outside the wire. You know, it's just some sort of German centric hut would be my guess. Right. No, I understand that. It's just very funny that, uh, you know the they they mentioned this this thing that that you know doesn't make any sense. It's never, as far as I know, it's not mentioned anywhere else in the movie. 
in in the script it doesn't even appear. Hmm. Yeah, they don't even use the word there. I, mean, I, w- I went to the script to think, okay, maybe they'll explain what we're talking about there. You know, as you said, maybe it's the guard shack, maybe it's the latrine, maybe it's uh, I don't know, maybe it's 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 the you know where 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 they where they have the generator. I don't know. <laughs> But but it's interesting that they're mentioning that basically their their tunnel is going to go under the cooler, and then out under the wire. So I, I found that to be very interesting for for the way that they end this this minute. I also during this is maybe backtracking a little bit as we get that distinct ha. I for Sedgwick. No, it wasn't Sedgwick. Yes, it was. No, it's not. Sedgwick is next to the guy who gives the. Huh. I think you're going to have to relook at that one. It's Cedric. I don't recall. Definitely Cedric. It's uh, second uh, 26. Oh, yes, it is Cedric. I withdraw. There you go. I withdraw my objection. <laughs> but yes, it's just... Sustain, sustain. It's just entertaining. We just get that single ha while Roger, in my mind, is giving his Captain Roger speech with his foot up on the chair there. <laughs> Maybe they just had some time to fill, so they just stuck it in there. Right. I and did did you did either of you notice what's on the table next to where where Roger is uh is talking? It it looks like a file effects. <laughs> um based on the fact that this is a library, maybe it's where they, they sign books out. I don't know. Probably. But, I mean that uh, would make you know sense. it's it's it, theoretically, you know, why would they really care? <laughs> There's there's certain things that you don't really care about in a uh, in a prison camp, and the pictures on the wall actually say some say say a lot also. There you know you had the pictures in in von Luger's office, which are are very you know military type pictures, you know showing showing his history of what he did, and these these look more like postcards. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate you can't get a little closer and see what what actually is in the pictures. The way that they're they're hung up there and stuff like that uh, is is interesting. Well, and you even get some just randomly on the walls. You get you know, there's a guy leaning. There's looks like there's one between the two guys on lookout duty. There's something hanging there on the yeah. far wall. There's a couple of things hanging. It's I can't yeah, it's help more but propaganda. <laughs> I, I can't help but think it's those library signs from when I was a kid and go to the library, you get all those cartoons telling you to keep quiet. You're in a library. <laughs> There's actually also a plaque above. If you look above Haynes, there's, there's a picture and then above it looks like a plaque, maybe a dedication plaque or something like that. Hmm. Do you see what I'm talking about? And you can see it on second 25. It's fascinating. You know, it looks like a dedication. This this library has been dedicated in the name of the the previous big X who didn't make it out or something. You know, a lot of times in movies, they just grab what they know they have to put stuff on the walls. They just grab whatever is available. It's, oh, there's a space in that wall, and sometimes there's no there's no rhyme or reason or significance. But that's true. But sometimes there is. Sometimes the there is. Question. That's the question. The question is, is this something that's just randomly there or is it something that has some significance? It all depends on the prop master. You know, there, there are prop masters that, that will go into so much detail in, in a movie to make sure 
that that everything seems as authentic as possible, and then there are others who just don't really give a crap. Uh, they just want to make it look like it's filled up. All right. Uh, do either of you have anything else to say about uh, this minute? Nope. I just like to say real quick. Um, in the beginning, you had mentioned that when when he says, um, "When do you want to start?" and he says, "Tonight." Right off the bat, that that's significant because it gives it gives um, the viewer a, an insight into Rogers' character. It's like think about it, he was just being held by the Gestapo. This is his first day. He just gets there, and he's already motivated and focused on getting this thing up and running. He doesn't want to. He's not going to say, "Well, let me rest for let me rest a couple of days," and then we'll. So we're doing this tonight. So that does a very good job of telling the viewer what Roger's character is. He's not sitting around waiting. That's right. I, I completely agree with you on that. And and even more so, the the, the fact that they that that they have the character say tonight, and then they show the nighttime. You know that this isn't two weeks later, right? You know, this is a meeting that you know Roger wants a meeting tonight. Uh, you know, as as Tom mentioned earlier, they've been in this camp twenty minutes. <laughs> This is already that night, you know. They're 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 getting down to business right away. They're they're not waiting. There's no reason to wait. You know, you put us in in this prison. We're going to get out as quickly as possible. All right. Uh, do you have anything else to say about this minute? No. Nope. I'm good. All right. So, Jimmy, want to once again uh, tell everyone how they can contact you and how they can get a copy of uh, your book? Yeah, I'm a uh, World War II historical. Author, I, my pen name is J D Keen K E E N E. My books can be found on Amazon, and um, I also have a website www.jdkeen.com. And I appreciate you guys having me today. All right, hopefully you'll come back. You'll, you'll hopefully you'll come back and finish the weekend with us tomorrow. I will. I got it on my schedule. <laughs> All right, excellent. Looking forward. Looking forward. So, anyone. Uh, you know, please uh, go rate, review, and subscribe at uh, any uh, of the podcasters that, that you find this uh, podcast on. You can email us at thegreatminute at gmail.com. You can uh, find us on, on Facebook, and our Facebook group is called The Cooler. Our website is thegreatestcommit.com, and uh, you can uh, reach out to us uh, via Twitter. Our Twitter handle is uh, greatescapemxm. So with that, we will end this uh, Thursday's edition, and we'll all be back uh, tomorrow on Friday to discuss uh, even more about this uh, fascinating plan as it starts coming into fruition. So with that, tally-ho, everyone. Tally-ho. Tally-ho.